The Modern Carrie Bradshaw. I originally thought, oh, that was cheesy. I'm not going to use that. People are just so over Sex in the City. But then I was like, I literally have curly, wavy hair. I sit with my Apple computer, blog in my small apartment in East Village. I am obsessed with men I've dated in the past. I have crazy dating stories where I'm basically broke up with a post-it, but it's like a two-sentence text instead. And so now I'm just going to own it. Um, My life really is like Carrie Bradshaw. And 30 Waves is a blog about kind of mastering our 30s and the life hacks to help us keep our sanity um, in terms of, yes, dating. That's probably my primary focus, but also just knowing how to better ourselves, whether that's reading uh, the best kind of like self-improvement book or knowing the best anti-aging skin routine. Or I even throw in some hacks like uh, the best haircut in New York is $40. So uh, check out my blog if you haven't. It's 30wavesspelledout.com and it's the same for my Instagram And here is my podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two, season two of 30 Waves. Today's podcast is about something that is a very real topic in my life, a very real topic in a lot of my friends' lives. And ironically, a lot of us don't really talk about it. Uh, nor do we like to admit it. And I'll admit that it hasn't been until probably the last few years that I've really accepted this and kind of owned this part of my personality and kind of have used it towards my advantage in a lot of ways too. And what I'm talking about is social anxiety. And the first part of this podcast is going to be about six mind tricks that I've come up with over the years that have helped me um subside my anxiety in terms of getting nervous for parties and networking events and kind of any social interaction that you might have to do um, in New York or anywhere. And the second part is actually uh, really exciting. It's my first guest on the podcast um, because I wanted to expand the podcast instead of me just reading my blog post. I want to actually have more dialogue and conversation. And so today's is with Trish Barillis, and she is actually an anxiety and life coach. And she was the first person to ever write an Insta book, um, which she'll explain in the podcast. And she also has written some best-selling anxiety books as well and helps a lot of fellow New Yorkers get over their anxiety. So uh, yeah, let's just dive right into it. The first is the mind tricks. Um, so I basically suffered from social anxiety my entire life, and I call myself an extrovert introvert, um, or in another word, it's an empath. And basically, this means that I can be super outgoing with my close friends. And in most social scenarios, um, sometimes I'm not really afraid to speak in front of crowds. I can be the most outgoing person on a date. And then there are other times where I just like flip a switch and I'm completely shy in others. And it's almost as if I can't even control it. And I've lived through social situations where I've second guessed every single word that has come out of my mouth for hours on end. 
And if you can imagine, that would be extremely exhausting. Perfectly curating and pronouncing every sentence just to impress someone at some event that wouldn't matter in a month anyways. The title of this article suggests that I know all of the answers to this predicament, and it suggests that I figure out a fail-proof way to not ever be awkward. And it suggests that I'm a confident, independent woman who can exist wherever she pleases, parties, dinners, brunches, and dates. An ideal world where my heart didn't palpitate when I walked into rooms with groups of strangers and instead felt bursts of joy. But my confession... Alas, I'm admitting the following six mind tricks help me reset my crazy wandering brain, but they don't cure it. I'm just as awkward as you are. And I'm not an expert, but I've studied and practiced a million techniques that help me go from social anxiety to social all-star. And I couldn't come up with another word that was the opposite from social anxiety. So, um, does it subside with age? The one gift the universe gives us in our 30s is a lot more self-love. I always say this, maybe it just comes from being so worn down about caring about timelines or other people's agendas in our 20s that we just finally accept our own lives and we're happier with ourselves. And it's a present that I will gladly accept. And while social anxiety has lessened since my early 20s, every once in a while it still creeps up. And the difference between now and then is that I know one true fact. Almost every person in the room gets nervous at some point. And I'm going to have a story to tell you uh, why I think this. But basically, this past month, I was invited to two solo events. One was an amazing Shabbat dinner hosted by a new friend in the West Village uh, where I didn't know anyone and I wasn't allowed to bring a plus one. And the second was a private networking dinner party where there were around 50 people invited and I also was unable to bring a plus one. And when contemplating whether or not I should get out of my comfort zone and go to either, I reminded myself about the most glorious thing in the exciting city of New York, which is the 10 million people in it. And what I mean is this, on any given day, at any time of the week, you could potentially meet the most fascinating person with the most fascinating life story you could have ever imagined. And I really don't think there's another town like it. So in a way, I think it's a New Yorker's duty to always take a gamble and put themselves out there in social situations. Now I'm going to go through my list of my six hacks, but um, if you don't catch them all, you can also go to my blog, which is uh, basically a transcription of this podcast. Uh, at 30waves.com and you can read them there too. But number one, again, everyone is a little bit nervous. So at this networking dinner, I soon realized that everyone was pushing themselves out of their comfort zones. The night involved required going up to already mingling groups and quietly interrupting and introducing yourself. And sometimes you had to politely enter mid-sentence because it was either that or continue to stand by the sushi platter. So I started to catch myself going out of my way to make people feel comfortable when they did this because the look on some of their faces looked terrified. And these sweat beads rolling down their face just caused a burst of joy to happen because the room was full of grown men and women who were executives, badass CEOs, all accomplished, worldly, interesting citizens of New York, And in the first 20 minutes or so, we're all nervous Nancys. So I could breathe a sigh of relief. 
Number two, confidence is key. Again, if you ever feel this way, know that you're not unique in the situation. Walking in knowing, I mean believing, that you're a really cool and fun person is key. Didn't friends text you today? Don't you have at least one weekend plan? And haven't you somehow received an invite because all of this is true in the first place? Even if it's a work thing, you've at least earned enough respect to join in on the conversation. And this reminds me of one night when I was scrolling Instagram and I never forgot it. I saw someone post a quote that said, the ball starts when you walk in. And so sometimes I tell myself that that before going into parties. It's kind of a Cinderella whatever, but it just kind of gives me this like burst of confidence that I am the person that is meant to be at the event. Uh, Number three, be an expert. Before the event, think of two things that you might be a mini expert in. Conversations flow better when you're talking about something you love. So mine is travel and of course, talking about my failed dating attempts and relationships. I mean, blog. And whether you're a master at knowing every interesting podcast, baked goods, Russian literature, or ugh, sports, start dropping sound bites about what makes you tick. And odds are there will be one person that will be interested in what you say. So you've made a new friend. Four, ask these two questions. The easiest icebreaker is to ask the following two questions How do you know our hosts? And where did you grow up? Those are two questions that people always have an answer for. They're usually really easy to answer. And then you can just go on asking questions from there. If they grew up in a town you've never been to, that's even better because you'll want to know more about it. Or if it's a town that you have been to, then you'll have something to talk about. Um, So they're just really easy questions to always ask at any event. And another pro tip is when you are talking to someone, say little words like we or oh, you would totally like this because it builds a sense of camaraderie. And I notice that when I do that, people kind of like light up and you already feel like you're already connecting on some level. Number five is have an objective. You don't have to be there for hours. And this is probably one of my most important tips is just decide what your main objective is for attending the event and then come up with one small goal to achieve because you'll leave feeling accomplished and the tension of counting down the minutes will lessen. So think of something small like attending the event for only a one hour time slot or deciding you can't leave until you get three email contacts and once you do, you can leave and the pressure is off. And number six, lastly, this is also probably the most important is even at the fanciest events, people secretly want to let their hair down and cut the prim and proper. This is something I have to remind myself often because I'm kind of a perfectionist, but people don't like talking like robots and you don't have to say the perfect thing. You can talk about real things like what's stressing you out that week or what's something you really look forward to this year because it's actually something that people want to hear and it starts a real conversation. So these are my tips Um, A few bonus points are check your body language. If you have crossed arms, it makes you look uninviting. Don't drink too much, which sometimes can be hard, but even then you never want to be the drunkest at the party. Um, Know the dress code. My motto is always be one of the most dressed up at the party and it's never steered me wrong, but at least dress up more than underdress and 
always be 15 minutes late, but don't be the last because when other people's friends aren't there yet, you can introduce yourself and mesh better into their group. But if you're too late, then that's harder to do. And lastly, hang by the food. It's the easiest place to make small talk and ask your two questions. So hopefully you these helped you guys. Um, and now I'm going to get Trish on the line and we will go over some anxiety tips that she has as a professional. Um, and she'll tell us a few interesting things about what breakup anxiety is, how to handle anxiety on dates, um, and just a few more fun things uh, that she's learned from studying anxiety for years on end. So here we go. Cool. I'm going to start then. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Hi, everyone. So this is my third, first podcast with a guest um, on 30 Waves. And today I'm really excited because we have Trish Barillis. Um on the line with us and she is actually a dedicated anxiety and life coach so how's it going Trish? It's going great thanks for having me. Of course and Trish and I actually met years ago um, in a co-working space and we were just sitting next to each other and realized that we had so much in common in terms of like meditation and I remember I was on my way to a Gua uh, Guatemala for a meditation and writing retreat, and you were telling me all about Guatemala and everything like that. Yes, I was super stoked. Says so, since I'm Guatemalan, and you said you were going, I was like, "Oh my god, you're gonna love it!" So that was our connection. Yeah, and it was so funny because I wrote uh, this week's blog post on social anxiety, and when I opened Instagram to post it your post on social anxiety was the first one on my feed. And so then I reached out to you and I was like, this is too random. We have to chat. <laughs> yes, it was universal. It was. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your anxiety journey? And I love this quote you have on your website. Um, it's called my dysfunction has now become my function. So I'd love to learn more about how you got into this and, and your, your story. Yeah. So I have had severe anxiety with panic disorder for as long as I can remember. My earliest recollection is probably around five or six. Um, I had severe travel anxiety because I was going back to my parents' country and it was vastly different from where we are. And it, was definitely a trigger. But what I learned later on in life was that I actually just have an anxiety disorder and it can kind of pop up at any time in my life. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, when I'm a little bit more stressed, it will become a little bit louder. The travel anxiety is always there. I always have it. It's something that I still have to battle with, but I've gotten the tools to kind of learn how to manage my anxiety. And the quote, um, which is from my Insta book, I wrote because I never spoke about my suffering. So I never spoke about my thoughts. I never spoke about anxiety. I realized what it was around the age of 20. Mm -hmm. um, transitions are really hard for me. So when I first went away to college and everybody was adjusting really well, and it felt like I was in a torture chamber. I lost dramatic amounts of weight. I couldn't eat. I couldn't concentrate. 
it just felt like I was having an outer body experience every single day, which classifies as depersonalization. So that Mm -hmm. was happening constantly. And eventually I had to leave because my health was obviously at risk. And then I found an anxiety specialist. So that's what started me on really understanding what anxiety was. And then I dedicated my life to researching up, down, inside, out. What is anxiety? How does it affect people? Who does it affect? So I came to realize that I'm really just pre-wired this way. Um, It is hereditary. My father definitely suffers from anxiety. We kind of have the same um, triggers and symptoms. And yeah, and I never spoke about it with my friends or my coworkers for years. And I wanted to seem as though I had my life so together. And I did. I was running nightclubs for 13 years. I negotiated for Bacardi for five years. So I was embarrassed and ashamed to keep this secret or more so for people to realize that I wasn't perfect. Right. And your job involved you being this outgoing, like social butterfly in a way. Yeah. So, and, and it's interesting because the social anxiety piece I never suffered from, it's kind of just, just at all, it's just kind of any type of anxiety. So uh, transitions are big for me and we all have different triggers. Um, I don't, I can't do concerts or football games. Like too many people in one area will, will really set me off. Like it's something that I've understood is not a good environment for me. So I make sure that I kind of, you know, uphold what I think my bandwidth can handle. Um, but the, the quote, was so important because now all I do is talk about anxiety. I coach on anxiety. I do panels on anxiety. I wrote, well, I started an Insta uh, page on um, my anxiety, my journey, and then it became a book. So one of my quotes was just that my dysfunction has now become my function because it's what I teach. It's what I preach and I live it on a day-to-day basis. And now I accept it and I appreciate a lot of the things that anxiety has given to me. So I try to focus on that as opposed to what it had taken from me. Right. And it's like your blessing. Like it's, you know, your space in the world that you're supposed to almost be meant to talk about this. And um, Correct. You said something really interesting. So you said social anxiety you've never had. You've had anxiety. And I don't think a lot of people know the difference between the two I would say I'm probably the opposite so I went to therapy in my 20s as a lot of women do and I I really believe in therapy Um, and my therapist told me that she thinks that I have generalized anxiety disorder so I'm just someone that like worries about a lot of things if it's like a project at work I'm thinking about it outside of work if it's like a date that I'm looking forward to, I'm thinking about it a lot. Like I just kind of like overanalyze. Right. Um, but in terms of anxiety, like spaces, lots of people, I don't get that, but it's social anxiety. I find when I care a lot about what the other person thinks, and I don't even have to like, like this person, but if I care so much about making an impression because there's some agenda involved, that's when my social anxiety gets triggered. Um, so I'd love to hear the difference, like how social anxiety and anxiety is different in your eyes. Is it like a physical body thing? And then 
Like, what is it? Um, so for me personally, and again, I'm not a psychologist, but what I feel is that, you know, GAD, which is generalized anxiety disorder is basically the umbrella that everybody falls into. So mm-hmm. the symptoms are usually the same. The triggers are different. So you get the sweaty palms. Some people have to release their bowels. Some people actually vomit. Some people convulse. I've had all of these things happen to me, but the trigger is what's different. And that's where um, you can probably identify it with being social because that's what you are most anxious about. Whereas for me, I'm actually great in social um, events, you know, doing uh, public speaking and I ran events for years in nightclubs. So for me, Mm -hmm. I actually shine in that space. Um, The traveling, um, if my stomach feels off, those are more or less my triggers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think that we, we, we as a society just need to be careful of what we kind of label ourselves. I think that everybody should do inventory, right? So trying yeah. to really understand what your triggers are and just knowing that you do suffer probably more so from the norm um, on an anxious level. So you're just wired a little differently. So, right. and it's the overanalyzing, what if, what if, what if, and anxiety lives in the past and the future, it cannot live in the present. So when you're thinking about, oh my God, this happened the last time I went here, or this happened when I walked out the door, or this happened when I was driving, it's almost as if you're doing classical conditioning where now you associate the anxiety with X, Y, Z. So right. the last time I was driving, I had anxiety and then it led to a panic attack. So now I'm scared of driving. So you're conditioning yourself to think driving is the reason, but it's more so your thoughts. It's the thought that you had probably in the car whilst driving that, but now you want to associate with driving. So it gets a little tricky and I love therapy, huge advocate for therapy. And I think, or whether it's therapy or a life coach, Getting really truly diagnosed is step one. And then step two is understanding what your triggers are and trying to figure out what your thought process is that leads up to them. So for you, um, caring about what other people think. Now, if you, you would have to backtrack a little bit and dive a little bit deeper and then almost do worst case scenario. Okay. So what if this person doesn't like me? Then what happens? Mm-hmm. So then you're not friends with them. Okay, then what happens? Really nothing. You know, the world doesn't end. You don't get, you know, you're you're not ostracized from society. Right, so, your daily routine is not affected. Correct. The, the sun will still rise. The sun will still set. But we put so much emphasis on these little minute things that end up being our world at the moment. Like right. it is the end all be all. So I think really doing the work with somebody because it's, it's really helpful to kind of unpack all those thoughts and really figure out, you know, what, what would be the worst case scenario? Um, and for me, traveling, okay, so what's the worst that could happen? I get sick. I get, I have to go to the doctor or a hospital. Okay. 
Then I go to the hospital. Then what happens? I get treated. Then what happens? I guess I leave. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? I get to go home. Okay. So normally we stop at, I get sick, I go to the hospital and that's like so detrimental, but you don't follow it through. Right. And doing like a deep dive. Like it actually reminds me of this exercise that I do a lot in work. Um, I do a lot of like branding for startups and I'm always having them do an exercise called the five whys. It's like, okay, what is your brand? I am a shoe brand. Okay. Why? Because I want to sell, uh, the coolest white sneakers. Why? Because there aren't white sneakers like this. And you just keep on going through the whys until you realize like, okay, this is really who I am as a brand. And I think it's like very similar to this. It's like, you just do it, do a deep dive down and down until you get to the root of like the real thing that you're really worried about. Like maybe at the end of the day, it's because your insurance, like you, you don't have active insurance and you're afraid to travel or like, you know, like you're afraid of needles. And so it all goes back to that. I don't know what it is, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And it, again, it's so different um, than the next person and the next. I call, I always say that anxiety is like a snowflake because no one is created the same. So even though we have the same symptoms, all of our triggers are so different. They're so, so yeah. different. Um, and yeah. that's what gets tricky. And that's why there's no cure for it because every single one of us is made up of DNA and we have neuro pathways and we, you know, we've, we've made these mental connections. So, and that started from the day we took a breath. So to be able to say one thing will treat X and, you know, something else treats Y, it's completely impossible, which is why we ourselves need to do the work and need to understand our bodies and our thoughts. Right. Okay. That actually leads to my next question. And it's really fascinating because I put on um, Instagram yesterday, a poll asking if people have social anxiety or if they think they have it. And over 80% of people responded yes. And some of the people that I thought were the most confident, outgoing people that I know responded yes. And I just thought that was so illuminating to realize that social anxiety is truly different for everyone. Like you said, like everyone has a different trigger. Everyone sees it in a different light. And so even though there's not one answer for everyone, I'm wondering like, what are some suggestions uh, that you help your patients and client or clients um, ease social anxiety? Like what are some tools that you give them? So the tools are, you know, we always want a quick fix at the moment. So it's almost like, okay, I have to go to this event. I'm kind of really anxious. I can't stop the hamster in the wheel. What can I do? So I tell them, well, that's an in-the-moment quick fix, which I wouldn't be able to assist with. We'd have to start when you're at a neutral calm space in order to call in relaxing techniques. So it's the same as if you told me, hey, Trish, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon tomorrow. What, do you, what can you suggest? I would say, mm -hmm. don't run it. You haven't trained. Like your body right. is not equipped to handle it. So we need to implement methods and practices or techniques before those situations. And then you get your body acclimated to a certain practice 
And then you can utilize that when you're having bouts of anxiety to get yourself back to a calmer state. Okay. Because a lot of people say like, oh, just put yourself out there a lot and you'll just get used to it. And it's like, also that, I mean, in a way, maybe you would, but like, it also just, it's not really like training yourself. Like if you don't take a step back and like really try to train your mind and in that neutral spot, um, like you just said, like, I feel like it's going to be painful. Right. And it will be painful and it will probably um, be a deterrent. You won't want to do it anymore. So what I always say is build an anxiety toolkit. So we start to unpack, okay, so what are your exact triggers and what are your symptoms? What is your body going through? When does the thoughts pop up about this per se event? So we'd have to start let's say you start getting nervous two days before, okay, then we have to start four days before to try to eliminate those triggers. And even if the triggers come, because, you know, anxiety is, it's not curable, it's kind of always going to be around, but instead of pushing it away, we just kind of invite it. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, come with me. Because you feel more equipped to deal with it. So once, and again, everybody's anxiety toolkit is different. So once you have your toolkit and that could be anything to, um, essential oils, to a meditation, a guided meditation, supplements, um, anything, anything under the sun that works for you, you would start doing it at least, uh, two to four days before the preceded anxious event. And then knowing right. that there's still going to be a certain amount of anxiety going in, but you feel supported. So when you feel supported and you support your central nervous systems, there's tons of great supplements for your central nervous system. Once you kind of feel like you have some roots, you don't feel right, like a plan. Yeah, you don't feel as wobbly, right? So and then you know, okay, if I go to this event and it it spikes, I can do one of three things. And the one of three things would be a method or practice to do at the event, but it wouldn't be leaving. So you want to be, you want to stay, but then you want to implement three other things before you decide. And if you've done those three things and it's still not easing the anxiety, then I would say, okay, you tried. So yes, now we should leave. Okay. So what, what would you suggest, like, in New York, I wrote about in my article, like, I always try to say yes to, like, really cool, like, networking events or dinner parties, just because New York has the most fascinating people. Like, every dinner party I've ever gone to, I've met founders of great companies or people from all around the world, and I really love doing it, but it is sometimes uncomfortable, like, as a single person, too, to sometimes show up by myself if I can't bring a plus one. Um So do you have any kind of like suggestions for uh, people like trying to put themselves out there more in New York and going to these events or parties, like one thing that they could do at these party parties or events that could like ease some social anxiety? Yeah. I mean, I would probably, what I always say is go towards the person you gravitate the most to. So there's, we all have, we we all vibrate. So we're all vibrating Mm -hmm. at a certain frequency. I would say let's say it's a room of 20 people. I could probably bet my money that eight of those 20 people are experiencing the same thing you are. 
So what I would do is kind of let your intuition guide you and see who you are most um, kind of vibrationally attracted to without speaking to them. And then mm-hmm. um, have in your, like, you know, have already like three questions you can ask them. And they could be general questions. So you're not on the spot trying to think of them. So you already know, okay, I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to find someone that I'm kind of really attracted to in a vibrational sense. And then I'm going to ask them these three questions and I'm just going to see how it goes from there. So now there's already a plan. Right. So you're not just going in there going, well, I don't know what to do. And now I'm freaking out. Like, and once you get, it's almost, it's interesting because when people um, have to go to events and they're not running it and they're not part of it, it then produces anxiety. Like, what do I do? Who Mm -hmm. do I talk to? But if you're running the event and you're working, you're not thinking of any of these thoughts because you're in go mode, right? Right. So I always say to try to approach it as like a job. Okay. What's your job? Let's say you're a researcher. Your job is to research people at this event. So get to know them. Oh, I like that. It's Yeah, I like that. So it's like go into the event like with your own objective, which I also correct. Like if your objective is to meet people to get a new job, if your objective is to flirt and to, you know, find someone to give your number right. to. Like if you have this objective, then it feels more like a plan. And then even if you get one email or you give your phone number away to one person, then it like feels like you've accomplished it. Of course. And you're not like this failure leaving. Right. And it, and I do like having some sort of agenda because then it makes you feel a little bit more in control where the anxiety is going to make you feel out of control. So if you say, okay, this is going to be an adventure. Like this, I'm going to this event or this dinner. It's an adventure. How many people can I meet? And I'm, this is going to be exciting. So if you start to think of it as more so like a job or a research plan or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, it then takes, takes away a little bit of the, what am I doing here? It gets you away from your inner thoughts and puts it onto now other people of like, oh, who can I meet? Right. And it's not just this open-ended, like we're all just like swimming in a pool, not knowing what we're doing at this party. Like you, you know, you have like your mindset. Yeah. And listen, I've, I mean, I, as a New Yorker going to these events and not having plus ones, like I've met fascinating people. And that's what I think we have to hold on to is there, you're placed there for a reason and you're going, a like attracts like. So if you're feeling a little nervous, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you're probably going to start talking to someone that also feels a little nervous. Totally. And that's, I mean, it was funny because, and the reason why I wrote this article is because I went to this networking event a few months ago and it was for like CEOs and like executives. And I have, I actually have no clue how I got invited, but um, all, everyone was nervous there. And in a way it just clicked and put me at ease. Cause I was like, okay, even these like high powered individuals, like we're all still just like humans at the end of the day and trying to mingle and, you know, be friendly people. And so I thought that was just like really fascinating. And I found myself, yeah, in the beginning, like talking to other nervous people and then in a way seeing that other people were nervous, it totally got rid of my anxiety. Right. 
and I became, and I became almost the person that was outgoing and making sure and asking questions, uh, and making sure that other people like felt comfortable and like their anxieties would. Right. And at the end of the day, we're all human, right? We're not sitting at dinner with a bunch of robots or not, not yet at least, but so we're all human and we all have emotions and we're all Mm -hmm. going through something or we're, we're super nervous. So just remember that you're not the only one. You're not the only one. And the people that you talk to that you gravitate towards will probably be feeling the same way. And if you are, I usually like to call out my nervousness. So I forgot where, I think I was doing my first um, panel speaking for Bacardi on anxiety. And I was in a room and I was part of a panel that these women were well seasoned and I was really questioning, oh my God, can I get up there for 45 minutes and talk? Mm -hmm. Um, And I turned to one and I said to her, I'm really nervous. I said, I, I know my, my subject's anxiety, but I'm super anxious. And she just said to me, she's like, yeah, so use that, say that, you know, people are probably anxious just being here. And I thought, okay. So I got up, you know, in front of 300 people and I said, you know, I'm here to speak about anxiety and I'm really nervous right now. Like I'm a little anxious. And then as soon as I said that, it kind of took the, it took it away because I wasn't fighting it. I was just allowing it to be. And it was just real. Yeah. You were having a real Yeah. And, um, and I have to stay true to who I am, which is what my book's all about. So I kind of just call out. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm anxious. Um, I had to travel here. I had a panic attack last night. So I, I said it on the stage. And people really resonated and they felt like, okay, she gets it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's just like the right approach. And I know that like owning my anxiety, like in my 20s, like I just didn't understand what it was. Like, I really feel like it's just something that's more talked about in the past few years even. And it's like accepted, but I always was trying to hide it and be this perfect, outgoing, happy, social, you know, person. And like, it just feels so good just to tell people like, no, I totally have social anxiety. And like 90% of the time, I'm totally fine. But 10% of the time, I'm a total weirdo. And even if it's in my own head, and I'm like talking normally, like, I feel like I'm freaking out inside, you know, so it just feels good to like, just admit it to other people. And then most people are like, yeah, I totally yep. have that too. And usually there's a ton of speakers, a ton of speakers, CEOs, VPs. I mean, people that get presentations on the daily that suffer deeply with some type of anxiety. Right. That's so interesting. Um, okay. My last, one of my last questions is I saw, and obviously it goes back to dating because that's my favorite thing to talk about. Um, I saw that you help people with breakup anxiety. So can you tell me a little bit about that? And then um, if you have like a tip for handling anxiety um, on a date? Yeah. So those are actually two, twofold. So um, I do breakup retreats. It's called Renew. I've been doing it for two and a half years now. Um, They're for women only right now. It should be changing to add a men's um, section. But 
what the anxiety that happens in the breakup is it's really never about the ex. It's always about some deeper wound that had happened earlier. And then usually the disappointment at the fear brings up something that has maybe been a little bit traumatic in the past. So the breakup just feels Mm -hmm. so much worse, but sometimes it's really never about the ex and it's a lot of self reflecting and the anxiety that pops up is always, I'm not good enough. Um, no one's going to love me. I can't be alone. Um, there's, there, it, there's so men, there's so much anxiety that I, I could spend two days talking about it. Um, right. Like it's a trigger point. Correct. Thing. Like, it's, yeah, it's about the unknown or it's about like, okay, this, this like, uh, basically just like adds value to whatever I'm thinking about myself or like an insecurity. And so it just makes it true. Right. Um, and you know, breakups will really, and I love breakups. I think breakups are such a beautiful (laughs) gift because you learn more about yourself than Mm -hmm. you probably do about the person. So your, you know, yes, your insecurities will pop up. Your fears are going to pop up. Um, so much will pop up that you can really look at that, work with it and really grow from it. And if not, you're just going to repeat the same patterns. So a lot of times in breakups, the hardest part is the acceptance. People don't want to accept. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote an article um, called How Hope Will F you. Um, clearly they changed my title, but that's, that's what I wanted the title to be. And we just hold on to this hope and we're so anxious that we've, you know, we've dedicated X amount of time to this person. We've invested, uh, you know, we're at a certain age, like everything under the sun that makes people stay in a relationship that they probably deep down don't really want. But because right. we're anxious about all of these future things or maybe the past, like because you've spent, let's say, eight to 10 years, it becomes complacent and you're scared to start over or you're scared to be alone. There's a fear there. So the, right. the dream is dead. Like the idea of it is gone and now you have to start all right. over and it's done. Um, it is. And it, um, I mean, of course I've done it multiple times, but I love it because it really will break your mold. And then you can ask yourself, okay, what can I do for myself to put myself in a better position and look at all of the things that I did in this relationship that I don't want to repeat? You know, what do I now have a pattern that I should really be looking at? Um, is, am I, do I feel that I can be alone, like truly alone by myself? Um, because mm-hmm. that's something we all should learn. So it's just, it's fascinating. I just love, I, I love, I do. I love breakups. I think they're wonderful. I mean, I feel for all of my clients <laughs> and I hated going through them. But if I didn't go through them, I wouldn't be as strong or as knowledgeable about myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally with you. Like, and I love that you just say that you love them. Like, it's hard for me to say that because it's been so many years of pain. But like, again, I'm in the same boat. Like, I wouldn't be writing a blog post if I didn't go through this. And I wrote this uh, post called the Joan of Heartache because Joan of Heartache. Yes, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah. 
and and I had this epiphany. I was like, oh my god, I'm literally the martyr for love. Like, <laughs> I do not know anyone else that has had more breakups, but I also don't know anyone else that's like had such great dating experiences and got to know so many different people. And I've become so like introspective and uh, focused on like self growth with each one. Um, so you know, it is definitely a blessing and I'd rather have a hundred breakups than just one. I agree. Know? I'm right there so, with you. I love, I love that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Quickly. Uh, Cause I don't want to take any more of your time, but what is it? What is like a tip for handling anxiety um, on a date? So a common scenario that happens in like the millennial world is you're talking to someone on the app. You have this like flirty texting banter for a week or two and you're a little anxious to finally meet this person um and you've already kind of built it up in your head that you want it to go well um so what what would be your suggestion to like handle anxiety on a date if you're nervous about so i love this question and i actually speak about this on the retreat so i'll try to quickly sum it up so we're so great at our jobs, right? So let's say we work for the, I, I work for you, the Brittany Inc. And mm-hmm. I am your HR. So I'm doing your hiring. So someone comes in, what do they bring when you go to a job, a job interview? You, correct. Resume. And what's on that resume usually? Your experience, your story. Okay. And what, uh, if I'm working for you, Brittany, what am I looking for in that person to be able to consider them for this job? Uh, experience, hard work. Okay, so there's work ethics, and then me, and basically, mm-hmm. are you a good fit for our company? Do will you be a good right. reflection of the Brittany brand? You know, will you follow right. our mission? Um, do you have the same ideals? We don't do this when we date and we own every company because we are our own company. So I'm my own company, you're your own company. So when you're dating, I mean, you're kind of like, you know, are your morals aligned? Are your um, interests the same? Uh, Do you guys have the same vision? Like we kind of go into it and think, oh, well, you're cute and you're funny. So this could work. But Right. And we don't know anything. Right. We don't do research. We, we, we don't do enough research. And by the time that we've already given ourselves emotionally or physically or whatever, we're already invested, but we still haven't read the resume. We still don't know. Okay. Are they the best fit for our company? Because damn it, I better, the person that I better vet the most would be for my personal life. Like this is a person, a human I'm sharing my life experience with. How can I not be super um, specific and really tough on who I let in? So on a date, I always say go in as a researcher. It's the same as going to event. Like you don't have to, it doesn't have to be, you know, so um, cut and dry, but Instead of letting yourself have these fantasies of, oh my God, this could be us and we could be driving upstate on the weekends. Like, no, uh uh-uh, hold on. Yeah. Let's do our (laughs) research and let's have open conversations, you know, like, hey, how long you've been living in New York City? Do you see yourself living in New York City for a while? If they say, oh, actually, I'd love to live in LA. Well, I don't ever want to live in LA. I don't know if this is really going to work out. 
Right. I mean, that makes so much more sense, so much sense. And like, I love that analogy because people also just, if a date doesn't work out, they blame it on Correct. themselves, but it's like, really, you're just, your companies don't match no. together. It's if, not you. I, like you don't, I've you know, gone if to he a, needs, he needs a special uh, marketer and you're just a totally correct. different marketer. Yeah. You know, it's like showing up to, um, you know, a nightclub job and you're a yoga instructor. Like, okay, exactly. no. And it's not aside from, um, maybe you could do the job, but you're not going to be happy. And then the business is going to not succeed because you're not aligned. So there's no, I'm not surprised that things didn't work out. And it's, it's just, it, you know, it's fascinating because we don't do enough of the research of, okay, is this the best fit for me? And again, yes, when you maybe you don't get that second date or you don't hear from them again, or they ghost you, why is it about you? Like it's, this has nothing to do with you right? Like we make Mm -hmm. it so personal. It's not personal. It's dating. It's the same as, you know, I've been on interviews. I haven't gotten the job. Does that mean I never applied to another job again? No, it means I wasn't the right Right. fit for whatever reason. And it's like, you didn't, you didn't get to see their full job description. Yes. And we make up stories in our head and we assume, right. But it's completely unfair. One, it's unfair to the other person because we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what's happening with them. And two, it, you know, we're taking ourselves down at the same time. So we're just not being kind to ourselves and it's going to make dating a lot harder and you're going to be more anxious about it. Whereas if you just stick to the facts, we went on a date. I really had a good time. I thought he had a good time. It didn't work out. Okay. You know, on to the next. Right. Right. Yeah, I I love this analogy. Yeah, I I think it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for chatting today. And I want to give you uh, a chance to tell everyone like how they can find you online and your Instagram stuff. So if you just want to say that, all of that. Info. Yeah, so you can find me at trishbarillis.com. Um, all of my info is on there in terms of how to book a free consult. I do 15 minute free consults and there's also packages. I have new client packages. I have breakup packages. And again, this is for men and women. It's not women based at all. Um, my Instagram, I have two, I have my anxiety Instagram, which is a face of anxiety. And then my coaching Instagram, which is T my last name, Barillas, B-A-R-I-L-L-A-S. And those are both my handles. And I answer all my DMs. So you can slide into my DMs or you can send me an email (laughs) via my website. Awesome. And I'll link everything too on uh, my Instagram post and in this. Great. Oh, and you can also purchase my book, um, A Face of Anxiety on Amazon, Kindle, or iBooks. Cool. I am looking forward to reading that. Thanks guys for listening and make sure to check out my Instagram 30 waves spelled out or my blog 30 waves.com. And you can actually read this podcast on the blog too. Okay. Have a great week.